you have your Bible with you this morning, can I see it? Did you bring a copy of God's Word with you? Amen. Remember, we've got free copies out here in the foyer if you'll grab one of those. Uh, they're the New Living Translation. That's what I preach from. Uh, I had a question this week. It was a great question. I'm going to digress a moment. Uh, I'm, I'm going to have you turn to Nehemiah, by the way, in the Old Testament. It'll be on the screen for you. Our, our, our media team and our, our pastor, uh, uh, Chad, will, will have that uh, ready for you in a moment. But I got a question this week. Looking for a new Bible, uh, Ben, I've encouraged you guys to start trying to carry a copy of God's Word with you instead of just using your smartphone. Uh, it's probably cool just to turn it off uh, during this uh, hour and a half that we're together uh, for lack of distractions. Those of you that can, some of you are always on call uh, and cannot turn it, turn it off. People, uh, last time I checked, 10 out of 10 are still dying. Uh, and so if you work in the funeral business or anything around that, you've got to always be on call. And we have police officers here and things of that nature. But it'd be good to just kind of turn it off. But I've got to ask, why the New Living Translation? Uh, is it different than the NIV and all this good stuff? And, and, not, and, and it wasn't really a deep question about, you know, why not the King James and all that? Because I, I really dislike that conversation because I, I cut my teeth on the King James. I, I, if you really listen to me, uh, when I quote, I normally quote uh, the King James Version because it's, it's what I had to memorize and what I used for, uh, gosh, the first several years of my ministry and when I was in seminary and Bible college even. I use a New Living Translation uh, because of its publisher, first of all. Uh, because of it's uh, easy for me to read. Uh, I don't know if you know this. I've, said, I've told you this before. One of the things, um, I, I was a high school dropout. Uh, not proud to tell you that, but I was a high school dropout. And uh, one of the things that I struggled with was with the ability to read and to comprehend. Little did I know, um, you know, at 43, uh, little did I know when I started college and, and was struggling so bad that uh, I had been struggling with dyslexia most of my life. Um, as, as, as long as I could, you know, uh, remember, I could not comprehend. I'd see things backwards uh, and so on and so forth uh, and also suffer, as you well know this, from attention deficit. Uh, and uh, so uh, w- all that said, the reason I, I choose to preach from the New Living Translation, um, and this is not an insult to myself or to anyone that likes this translation, it's just on a, it, it's, uh, literally on a sixth grade reading level. Uh, it's easy to understand. There's not a great fuss over it. There's not a great fuss for us to even have over it. There's enough of the gospel in it to get you saved and to keep your life busy and on the straight and narrow. Uh, but if you prefer to use the King James, New King James, in, in a, whatever you want to carry, all right, that's up to you. I just know that that's what I preach from. It's just easier for me to read and to study and to understand. And it's what my family uses, all right? So I digress for that for just a moment. They are paperback copies, very nice copies uh, in the foyer. If you need one of those, please get you one of those. Now, Nehemiah chapter 2 reason I didn't tell you the chapter, it's just right there, Nehemiah, Old Testament. Nehemiah is a great and incredible wall-building book, great leadership book. One of the first books in Bible college that I read in my first two-year degree was Andy Stanley's book on Nehemiah and leadership. And, uh, and still to this day, a lot of truths reign in my heart. We're going to talk about the divine direction and having the faith to start, all right, and staying where God wants you to be and in the right direction. And, and always remember before we even, I tell you the verses and we get into it, that the premise of this entire message, the foundation of it, the message one, is that God cares more about the who rather than the do and the why rather than the what. It's all about the motives. Motives give meaning, and God cares about the motive, and he wants us to be his children before we do any. He didn't love us for what we do. He loves us for who we are, and we're his kids, all right? And so think about that in a practical application. It's not what your kid does or don't do or you know, the bad that our kids do, we love them because they're our kids, and it's unconditional, and it's forever, and so that is how God operates, and so that's the foundation of knowing that I'm going the right direction, that I'm, I'm getting the, the wind of inspiration, prompting of the Holy Spirit, 
and all that good stuff. And so Nehemiah is a great example of doing what the Holy Spirit prompted him to do. He's also a great example of how when you step up and step out and speak up and speak out on behalf of the kingdom of God, because the Lord has prompted you to do that by the Holy Spirit, you will always have certain uncertainty. You will always, always have resistance. Sometimes that resistance, I would say about 99% of the time, will be internal. You will war with yourself. Am I good enough? Am I, am I smart enough? Do I know enough? Have I been Christian long enough? Do they know my past? No. God doesn't care about any of those things. He washes those away, and he equips those that he calls. He doesn't call the equipped. He equips those that he calls. And then you're always, always going to have that internal struggle. Sometimes it'll be that resistance that's right inside your home. Could be a sibling, could be a spouse, could be a relative, it could be a coworker, anything like that. But then you've got to step out because God has called you to step out and go the direction God has called you to go, even if you don't know the next step. And we see that in Nehemiah's life. So it'll be on the screen as I begin to read as he is into the process or begins the process. Remember the, the title for the message this morning is Faith to Start. Let me say this too. I'm excited. Next week, I'll launch When the Devil Knocks, all right? Uh, kind of a spinoff of October and, and uh, uh, scary month, but uh, we're going to look at three attributes uh, of the devil, uh, deceiver and accuser and destroyer. Uh, we will break into that series uh, in October because we have been over here in country from Rwanda, and he's going to be preaching and speaking to us one Sunday morning. He's super excited about that, but I am pumped about getting into When the Devil Knocks. Now, back to Faith to start. Nehemiah chapter 2, and we'll start in verse 17. But now I said to them, Nehemiah, now I said to them, you know very well what trouble we are in. Jerusalem lies in ruins, and its gates have been destroyed by fire. Let us rebuild the wall of Jerusalem and end this disgrace. Then I told them about how the gracious hand of God had been on me and about my conversation with the king. They replied at once, yes, this is the people. He's he's gone back and he said, let's start building this wall back. They said, yes, let us rebuild the wall. So they began the good work. But, now remember, I just said this. I preached a whole message on it. As soon as you step up and step out on the Spirit's prompting, and you're moving in the direction that you believe with all your heart God is calling you to, to, to move in, there will always be resistance. And here we find it. But then... Sanballat, Tobiah, Geshem, the Arab, heard of our plan. They scoffed uh, contemptuously. What are you doing? Are you rebelling against the king, they asked? Nehemiah said, the God of heavens will help us succeed. We, his servants, will start rebuilding this wall. We, his servants, will start rebuilding the wall. Let me give you some background. You with me? Say Amen. All right, all right, I, I, I get it. I, I understand that you're expecting fall and it's still summer. I, I, I get it, I understand that, but, but stay with me in these moments, okay, please, all right? And listen to what the Holy Spirit is saying this morning. A little background on Nehemiah. I, if you've been in church, around church, or, or, or anything, you kind of have an idea of who he is, uh, but it's, it's, it, it blows my mind and encourages me greatly. Nehemiah was not in the construction business. I mean, he had zero background in building anything. All right, that should be very encouraging. You, whatever God calls you to do, doesn't necessarily mean you got to be an expert in that field. Uh, I was a high school dropout who could barely read, and God called me to read His Word, rightly divide it, and declare it to people. I will never, ever, ever forget, and let the people around me forget the first time I've been, I, I went to teach Sunday school, 
And a, a, another teacher was out that morning, so they combined classes, and I'd never spoken in front of people, and yet there was a room full of people, and I was like, and you think I sweat bad now. It was incredibly, incredibly bad. I had a new shirt on that was, that was navy in color. By the end of that, that, that half hour together, my hands were just as dark navy as that shirt, man. I was so scared. So God doesn't necessarily say, because you can do this, I'll call you to do this. He had no idea how to build a wall. Matter of fact, really, if you read his story, he's not really even a leader. He's not been to any, any Maxwell classes on leadership. He's not done any seminary. He's not, he's not done any seminars. He's not any webcast. He, he just, God says, this is the problem. And so he had a divine burden. He said, the walls of my hometown, my, my people, are, are, are disgraced because they're destroyed and nobody's doing anything about it. And so Nehemiah had no experience all he had was a burden, and, and in this time in his life, he was what we call the king's cupbearer, all right? Most of you already know this, but just act like it's the first time you've heard it, all right? Cupbearer is, is the king's wine taster, all right? Sounds like a pretty cool job, right? Okay, for some of those that, 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 that are luscious, all right? Yeah, all right? And uh, it, it sounds like a pretty cool job, but it's not a cool job because his job was to taste the wine, and if he fell over dead, then the king said, I don't believe I'll drink any of that one, right? It was not, it was not. The luxurious, cool job that it sounds like, all right? And yet, God put a burden on his heart, and he has the courage. And this is, this is the kind of steps I see him taking. This is a free, I've got a lot of little sermonettes in this outline. I can't help it, right? But this is a whole message in itself, so if you just take notes or, or if you just want to listen, that's cool too. But this is how the process starts when you're trying to make sure you stay in divine direction. The first thing Nehemiah did after he got that burden was he sought the Lord. As a matter of fact, in, in chapter 1, starting around verse 5, I believe, he, he, he cries out and prays to God. So the very first thing that, that you do if you're going to have the faith to start anything is you've got to seek the Lord. If you're burdened about something, then seek the Lord. He sought the Lord. And then the, the next thing he did is he stepped up and stepped out. He went before the king and he said, listen, I, my hometown, here's the problem, here's the situation, I want to do something about it. And not only did he have, get permission to go, the king said, I'll write you a pass. I will get the lumber and everything provided along the way. And God began to bless him because he sought the Lord. He stepped up and he, and he, and he, and he spoke up and he spoke out and stepped out. And then, then, watch this, he goes back to his hometown. We pick up in the verses and he starts to rally the people and we're going to rebuild the wall. And it literally says in those few little verses that he start, they start to rebuild the wall. So my question in leading off on this message to you with the background and where you are in your journey is how do we do something big for God? How do we do something big for God? How do we have this kind of faith to start something big for God? How can we be Nehemiah? Because we already see in intro that it doesn't matter your background. That God's not going to necessarily say, okay, well, you could do this or you could do that or you have experience doing this, so I'm going to call you to do this and I'm going to call you to do that. And he already shows us that, listen, you don't even have to have any experience in building it or leading it or doing anything like that. But if you say, okay, God, I'm willing to step out by faith, even though I don't understand and even though I don't know where the next step is. And so I start on that journey. Well, how do I do something big for God? And then he, and then he ends up, we know the rest of the story, as Paul Harvey used to say. He, we know the rest of the story, and they build that wall back. And so I want to give you two thoughts this morning. They're going to be really, really, really deep and very theological. You know better. They're going to be two very practical applications, very simple as we will finish this series and put everything together and wind that message, those groups of messages together from starting with this faith to having this, 
the faith to start something so that you now can put in application what God burdens your heart. For some of you, it could be starting a small group. For some of you, it could actually be that your, your first step was coming here this morning. It could be making a career change. It could be what sport I'm going to play. If I'm not going to play this upcoming year, if I'm going to do this, or if I'm going to try out for this, or I'm going to, whatever the case may be. But it may, it may just be that God's calling you and already churning in you to do something big. So I want to give you two practical applications of how do we do those big things for God. How do, we, how do we have the faith to start? And the first major thought this morning is, listen, deep, I'm telling you, super deep. you got to start small. you got to start small. We get it so twisted. Now, listen, I, I didn't say, I, I, let, me, let me go ahead. I didn't say not to dream big, right? I dream big, Okay. I've got big ideas. Matter of fact, it gets me in trouble a lot, right? I, I, was, telling some, I was telling someone Friday night, they were asking me about the, the downtown campus and when do we project getting here. I said, man, I quit projecting any time. I mean, I've already said three or four times we'll be there. One time it was in three months and it was all this good stuff because the, con- the contractor said once we start it won't take about three or four months. That's just not totally on me. So, but, but I said, I just, I just quit. I, I, I've, I've, I've quit saying this is, this is what we're going to do and we're going to do it this way and it's going to be like this. It's not that I don't have the dream and, and the passion and the drive to get us there. I mean, we're, we're, she, Sandra was filling out uh, uh, grants last night. I mean, we're in the process of getting us there, but I've, I've slowed my role in the sense that I still have big dreams, but I just got to do the small things leading up to those big moments for God. Most of us, we want to be on the stage and in the spotlight and be recognized and promoted right away. Most of our younger generation, all right, I'm going to start preaching a little bit now. Most of our younger generation, see, they, 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 they have an entitlement to themselves because they, they want what mom and dad or grandpa and grandma have. They want the cars, the trucks, the boats, the nice house, all that. They want to travel. They want to have, uh, have special trips and all this good stuff. What they don't understand is it took mom and dad and grandpa and grandma their entire life to save and to work all the overtime, all the extra, just so they could have this season in their life to do the things that they want to do you just can't jump into something big I, want, I, I have this vision I didn't say don't dream big but you can't start big you read from Genesis all the way to Revelation it, it, God never acknowledges the large he always even, even, even when it's large he'll reduce it why? so he gets the glory and for some of you for some of you, the reason you not you can't get through the season you're in is because you keep having this big idea that if I do this or or if I can wait until I get this right or this aligned or get rid of this, then no, 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 you got to start right now. You got to start small. As a matter of fact, I love this verse of scripture in Zechariah four verse ten. It tells us. It tells us. It literally says, "Don't despise the small beginnings that God delights in us starting." It's all about the start. See, I wrote down a couple of things here I want to share with you. You don't have to have the faith. Listen to me. This is, this is liberating for a guy that is A-D-D-D-D-D-D and gets all kind of things started, started and, and all different kind of. I, I bet I had five conversations with Sandra this morning when she asked me one question. It took me five different conversations to get back to the one conversation, and I'm medicated, man, right? You see, I, I wrote this down. It, you don't have to have the faith to finish. You just have to have the faith to start. You see, the finishing's not, because you, you hear people all the time, right? It's not in how you start, it's in how you finish. I get that concept. 
I'm not preaching that concept this morning. I'm preaching this concept that the reason you can't get to the next season of your life or the reason God hadn't brought you into uh, the, the land that's flowing with milk and honey is because you're still on this side of the river and you keep waiting for flood season again or waiting for God to build the bridge when God said, listen, I don't need you to worry about how you're going to finish. I just need you to put one foot out and start. We focus on Peter sinking. It wasn't, I, I could care less that he, I'm, I'm glad that he began to sink. That makes him human like me. What I like about it is that he had the wherewithal to take a foot and step out the boat. It's starting small. You see, most of the people that I do life with, and I'm even guilty of it myself, it's the start that stops them. I mean, let's just think for a moment. Don't say nothing. Don't have to amen. Don't have to write. You don't have to email me later, text me, call me, inbox me, anything like that. How many of you are still... You got this dream, you got this idea, you got this desire that you're going to start this and you still haven't started it. You know how many unfinished projects? Now, I digress a moment into that, but you understand? This is our, this is our, our motor operand. This is how we operate is that we, 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 we don't even really get it started. We have these ideas, we have these desires, we have these thoughts. I mean, what, is, what if God is ready to do something like build that wall back? What if God is ready to use you? What if God is ready to use you and willing to use you even in spite of what you don't have and the mistakes you've made and all he's waiting on you to do is just start? Just start. Don't despise the small things. Don't look at the big things. Look at the small things. You can't ever finish if you don't start. I mean, I know that's deep, right? I know that's deep. That's that's that's. I'm get next tattoo across my back. Just kidding. You can't finish it if you don't start it. You can't win the fight if you don't show up to fight. Nehemiah seen a problem, had a burden. Didn't have any idea how to build or how to lead, but he said, I'm going to trust God and be prompted by the Holy Spirit, even in the face of resistance, even with the uncertainty. All these things, I'm going to speak up, I'm going to step up, I'm going to speak out, I'm going to step out on faith, and I'm going to start this. And it doesn't have to be that you have the faith to finish it. You just have to have enough faith to start it. I've told people years after years after years at invitation time, if you want to give your life to Jesus Christ, if you feel the tugging of the Holy Spirit, he's moving you, he's wooing you, he's saying, I love you, that if you will just start with either the pinky toe or the big toe and just slightly tell your brain to move it, I promise you, as soon as you do that by faith, the Holy Ghost will take over the rest of your body, and by the time you realize what's going on, everybody's applauding because you give your life to Jesus Christ, and all of heaven is celebrating. You just have to have the faith to start. You just have to have the faith to start. Don't let the starting stop you. Why not you? Why not now? Last time I checked, we don't go in reverse. We keep getting older. And the older I get, the more I realize I can't do what I used to do. So why waste any time? You want to do something big for God? You want, to, you want to make sure you're going where God wants you to go? That you are where God wants you to be? 
You're who God wants you to be. You got to start small. Don't despise the starting of small. Let, let me give you the other, other aspect of that. Start small. You got to start. What about that small thing? Everybody wants it big, right? Don't you love it when you place your order? I don't, I don't go through the drive-thru a lot, but I, I go with the girls or I go to order them something. And, it, and it, when you, you, tell the, you tell the cashier or the, the girl or guy that's working, you say exactly what you want. I, I want a number two, number three, and I, I want this and this and this. And then what's the next thing they're going to they're gonna try to upsell you? They're going to say, would you like that large or supersize? I don't know if supersize is still a phrase. That's how long it's been since I've ordered anything on my own. Um, isn't that crazy? That's the world we live in. Everything is better if it's bigger. You remember even a trend. The trend was get the, get the phone as small as it could possibly be. Now the trend is reversed, right? Get the phone as big as possible because I want to carry around my iPad and hold my iPad up to my head. I'm cool. Now, I do appreciate the size of it because as the older I get, the harder it is for me to see without my glasses. But do you understand the concept that I'm trying to get you to think on this morning is that we look at everything and say, if it's not big, if it's not crowded, if it's not this, if it's not that, then it's not. And God's saying, you're being distracted. Because he, he says this, I, I love this over in the New Testament. Jesus said that the kingdom of heaven is like a what? It's like a mustard seed. He also goes on to tell another place he teaches us. He says, if you'll have the faith as a grain of mustard seed, you can say to that mountain, be moved, and it would be moved. Now, I began to think this week in preparation for this morning's message about the mustard seed. The mustard seed. doesn't sound really appealing at all, but mustard seed. Mustard seed, small. Don't despise the start of small things. Small. How do we do big things for God? We start small. Small. You got to start. He can't direct a parked car. You can't steer. He can't guide you if you're parked. And sitting on your laurels, or sitting on your past, or sitting on your feelings, or sitting on your hurts, or sitting on your mistakes, or sitting on your checkbook, or sitting on your pride. You, you get it, right? You got to get in motion, so you got to start. And when, once you start, you got to realize you can't just start big. You can't just come in and take over, that you got to start small. And that God says that the kingdom of heaven is like a mustard seed, and that our faith in that kingdom is like a mustard seed. So mustard seed. It is not the smallest of seeds. Right? In my research this week, it's not the smallest of seeds. I've preached that for years. This is my ignorance, right? Just because I didn't do my homework, was lazy, and just thought, well, that's the smallest seed. It's not actually the smallest seed. It is one of the smallest seeds. Nevertheless, the point is being made that it is something that is small. It, 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 it is just small. The other thing is this is when you, when you do a little research on the mustard plant, there, it's, 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 it's not only that it's, it's one of the smallest seeds, but it's one of the least spectacular plants. I mean, it's just a mustard plant. There's nothing really beautiful about it. I mean, you, you may think that it's beautiful and you have your weird way of looking at it because you like abstract art. I like to just be able to see it, man. Don't, don't, let, don't say, what do you see in that? It's just not, it's not a spectacular one. It's a small seed. The other thing, the other thing is this, is that it's not only is it, is it one of the smallest, it's, it, it, it's one of the least spectacular plants. It's just a, a mustard seed. The thing, though, that when you do a little study, it, however, though, it's, it, it is, it is got its own little qualities. I told you I had a, little, a, lot, of, a lot of little sermonettes in this, in this, this two-point uh, message. You see, that mustard seed that you and I are, are to, to base our kingdom of heaven on and, and that is in us and through us and our faith and that we start small and that we put it engaged and we put one foot in front of the other and we don't even have to worry about doing something big. We can start just like with this grain of mustard seed. The cool thing about it is that 
You, you may be small. It may be small, right? And it, you may not be that spectacular, right? Now, I'm not suggesting you are because you guys look spectacular this morning to me. But see, that's a flesh, earthly opinion. And I don't want nobody trying to beat me up after service, right? So, but your own observation of yourself, all right, that you say, I'm, I'm, who am I? What, do you know what I've done? you know where I've been? you know the mistakes I've made? There's no way. So it's like the mustard seed. It's not a spectacular plant. I mean, it's not the rose, all right? It's not, it's, it's, it's not a, an orchid, right, which has the smallest seed, by the way. It's, it, doesn't, it doesn't have these special fragrances about it and all this good stuff, but, but however it is this, it is, it is these three things, that, that mustard. It is spicy. It's spicy, right? I mean, just that plain mustard seed is spicy. And so you, when I, when, I, when I chose that word, when I looked it up and did my research, I chose that word spicy because I knew this little outline I was going to put together is that most of us, we don't even realize our own spiciness. Now, you've been, you've been reminded a few times by others that you're being a little extra today, but I'm not talking about in that sense. I'm talking about in a sense that you have unique qualities and abilities, that you're spicy, that there's something edgy about you. The Bible tells us this. It says that Jesus says this about us, that you are the salt of the earth. You're the light of the world. The, that means only one. Salt has an edge to it. Made my first batch of beef jerky last night, and I can tell you right now, my first recipe is way too much salt in it, right? It, it was, it, I mean, it was, it was, it was, I ate it all, though, I'm going to be honest with you. Probably why I'm sweating so bad today. It's spicy. It's not spectacular. You don't have to be spectacular. It's not the faith to finish. It's the faith to start. It's not something big. It's something small. And so, it's, it, yes, it's not, it's not spectacular, but it's spicy. The other thing about the mustard plant and the mustard seed is that it has special abilities. Did you know, I, was, I mean, listen, I know that a couple of us know personally, but you know in, 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 in football, in NFL, and I don't know about on the collegiate level, but I, I, I read an article that every time they, even before the game, that they'll take uh, the packets of mustard, and they'll eat that mustard because it helps with their cramps, especially the back cramps that they get. You see, mustard, even though it's not spectacular, and even though it's really, really small, it's just like our faith. It's just like the kingdom of God that's in us that we don't have to start big. We can start small and do big things for God. And we're not necessarily spectacular on our own. We're kind of edgy in Christ. We're the salt. We're the light. But we also have special abilities. You and I have power of life and death in the tongue. We've got the Holy Ghost that lives inside of us and comes through us and uses us and have, gives us power and enables us to give life, to give healing, to give encouragement, to edify the body, to speak truth to people's life, to bring salvation to others because faith cometh by hearing, hearing by the Word of God. You see, you are special. It doesn't take something large. It doesn't take something spectacular. It doesn't matter about the size of your truck, man. It doesn't matter what house you live in or how much money you have, the clothes you wear, the kids. It doesn't matter about those things. It doesn't matter about those kind of status in the world. It doesn't matter that it's not spectacular and that it's just simple and it's small. That's what God, that's how he operates. I think he does better when it's in the small. That's why he's reduced everything. That's why even out of the 12, he had three that was in his inner circle, Peter, James, and John. And you may not be spectacular in your own mind, but God says you're mine and you're my child. And I've called you my peculiar people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, set aside for my glory, for my work, and for my honor. And if you will accept that and you will just simply put one foot in front of the other and start, I promise you will understand that God can do spectacular things in and through you. It's not that. It's that it's special, that, it's, that, it, that it has healing abilities to it. And then here's another one very quickly. Not only is mustard spicy... I just like to say that over and over. I just, I just, as I was thinking about that, you're just a spicy bunch of people, all right? I'm not, 
I'm talking about like that chicken finger commercial for McDonald's where the old lady says, it's like me, it's kind of spicy. I don't mean like that. You have special abilities you don't even realize. And then the thing about the, the mustard plant is that, yes, it is small. It's not spectacular. It's not, it's not a big fancy flower. It's no, no beautiful blossoms and fragrant smells and all this good stuff. And, and, and it's unique to the eye of the beholder. And it, but it has, it has the special abilities. They use it for healing prop, prop, properties. And especially uh, in the Eastern uh, culture and world, they still even use those mustard seeds and spices. All right. But the thing that's cool about this, this mustard plant is that it, it tells us when we do a little study on it that as, as, as soon as it grows, it almost instantaneously germinates. So to go with my little outline about how God uses us if we will start small is that we're spicy, that we have special ability, and that we spread almost instantly. You see, the thing that God has called you to do is to start small, and when you start small, you begin to multiply. You understand you begin to deepen the relationship, and God has called you to do that. This is the direction that you're to be going in, is that you understand that it may not be spectacular, it may be small, but if I'll just simply start, that I understand that God has got special things for me. And it, germ- it germinates almost instantly. Our number one responsibility, it, it, this, this, is, this is the bare bones of what we are as Christians, as a church, is to reproduce. He said, come follow me fishermen, and I will make you fishers of men. And they were scared in the upper room, and then on the day of Pentecost, there come a mighty rushing wind, to- tongues of cloven fire. They begin to speak in other tongues. And Peter got up after being filled with the Holy Spirit and preached the first megachurch sermon, and God began to spread the good news and reproduce and it would spread on and on and on and on and on into the Western world through Paul and Barnabas and missionary trips. And it's still going around the world as he uses one and other sister churches like us that believe that this. We start small, but God can use us. And he has special abilities that he has given us and that he has called us to spread the gospel. Let me put it into illustration before I move on about starting small and give you my second thought this morning. I thought about this this morning, so this is a fresh illustration, but, but th- I think this is, this is relatable to most of us. This week, uh, I felt like I was in the stadium over there all week. I also felt like I watched my Bobcats get beat all week. I also agree with Vanessa that it was about three degrees shy of hell all week. And I may be misquoting on the three, but I, it, you get the point. But the other thing that happened this week is that we talked about it, and, and, she, and Sandra didn't even realize that I would use this because I didn't until this morning, that we talked about this as the girls were cheering down there. Both our daughters are cheerleaders for the Bobcats, and we've watched them grow. They chose not to try out for varsity this year, or JV. They chose to stay with the C-team squad so that they, their, their were, so they could be leaders and, and set an example um, and be leaders in that, in that squad, and it's a large squad. And we talked about this. We talked about how as we watch them cheer, it amazes me the ability that they have to memorize the dance routines, to do the toe, to, I don't know what all the things are called, but it amazes us, especially knowing our two daughters and their quirkiness and their unique special abilities. It, it just amazes us, and we can see how much they've grown. 
and how they can flip and throw the other girls as, as both my daughters are part of the base and when they do their stunting. And it just it blows my mind. I say, gosh, that is amazing that they, they can memorize that. Their lines are sharp. Their passion is coming through. I, I, I want to say, rah, 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 kick them in the knee. I mean, I'm excited, right? But then, it, then this morning I was thinking about how that's crazy, right? At 13, they have disability and they, they, they do these things well and they continually grow. But then I got, began to think about when they began to walk. And I remember Addie, I can remember her first steps, and I, I remember as she, she began, and, and, you know, and I've heard people call it this, the, the, the drunken uh, zombie walk, you know what I'm talking about, when, when, when your kid begins to walk, right? And, and it's like, you know, I mean, I remember that, and I, and I, and, and I don't know if you remember how you responded to it, but, but, but I, I mean, I was, I was excited, man. I mean, I was beside myself. Yeah, man, all right, woo, come on, you can take another, come, come to daddy, come to daddy, come to daddy, come to daddy, and take another step. And, and, and I begin to think about how they've progressed now to, ha- to, to being able to do these jumps and these cheers and these flips and all this good stuff uh, over, the, over the years. But when they started, it was just one step, and it was a small step, and it was a staggering step. And then I begin to think about this morning, this is how God works with us, is that, you know what I did as a dad? what I didn't do rather as a dad did you know every time that Addie was trying to learn to walk and, and that she would fall I didn't I didn't go from yeah way to go and, and step back and go you dumb kid don't you know how to walk get up what are you doing that you idiot I didn't do that at all every time she fell every time she she, she, she stumbled and, and went back on her diaper, on her tush. I, I would try to pick her up and go again. And it's the same way with the kingdom of God and our heavenly father. He's saying, I just want you to take the first step. It's not about how you finish. It's about how you start in this arena. And if you'll have the faith to just start, it doesn't matter if you fall, if you make mistakes along the way. I won't step back and go, you big dummy. Do you know how dumb that was? You know the dumb. We know how dumb those mistakes were we made. God's not going to do that to us. He's not going to be that person standing up there squashing us down with his thumb. He's going to be up there going, now come on, let's go again. Get up. Even though you fall seven times, get up seven times. Come on, get back up. You can do this. You can do all things through Christ which strengthen you. You have the power. You have the power. Get back up. That's how he works. So any fear you have of stepping out on faith and making a mistake, hey, that's okay. God's not going to hold you accountable for that. God's not going to, God's not going to say, I'm not going to forgive you if you ask forgiveness. I'm not, going to, I'm not going to lord it over you and make fun of you. I'm going to help you back up. I'm going to dust you off, and we're going to step again. I've often wondered, I, we don't have any record of it, but I wonder if Peter said, hey, Jesus, can we try that one more time? I believe I can, I can not only walk, but I believe I can dance on this water. So whatever fear you have, whatever's holding you back from going to a deeper level of relationship with Jesus, you just got to start, and you can start small. I'll give you another illustration out of my family's life. I, I use them a lot because I know them better than I know you, and they just give me great illustrations. The girls were both working on a project due this past week. That project was on a certain subject, and they had to deliver a minute and a half to two-minute public speech about that. And one of the things that we worked and they, they, they went over and over and over and re- refining and watch how they phrased and the words they chose to use. And we, I love the process. I'm a pontificator, okay? So I, I like that. I said, one of the things that, that, that you have an advantage of is your daddy's a preacher. Your mama's a teacher. So she, she can help correct those things. We both get up in front of people all the time. Um, and, but the big thing that we had to overcome through the process was this. This was the reoccurring thing over and over and over. 
nervous and I'm afraid. I'm nervous and I'm afraid. And so I want to tell you what I told them so you'll be encouraged as God tells me the same thing every Sunday that I get up here. Or every Saturday morning that I'm asked to open an event or any time God asks me or any FCA huddle or any board meeting that I'm uh, uh, to speak at or be a part of. I'm going to tell you the same thing I told them, the same thing God tells me, and the same thing that God is telling you through me this morning. I told them, I said, it's okay. As a matter of fact, that nervousness and fear, it's actually your friend. It's a good thing. You see, because of that, it will keep you sharp. It will keep you close, and it will keep you focused. You see, God's not interested in those that think they don't need him. He knows better. God can't do much with those. But he can take a cupbearer that knew nothing about building a wall, that had no leadership ability that we are aware of prior to his going back to Jerusalem and leading the people to build the wall. God delights in those moments. God delights and works best in our mess. That's the kind of people God uses the most and does the greatest through. Because in our fear and in our nervousness, we usually have a sense of humility about ourselves. And we say, oh God, how I need you. And it keeps us close, it keeps us sharp, and it keeps us focused. And I told him it'd be okay. So if you want to know how to do big things for God as we leave this series and we stay in the right direction and we, do, we, we, we move on in this divine direction, you've got to learn to start small. First of all, you just got to start. Don't worry about how you're going to finish. Just start. And then don't worry about the size of it. Don't despise the small beginnings. Nehemiah didn't have a clue. God's not interested in that. The second thing that I wanted to talk to you this morning about as we finish this series is not only that we need to start small, but watch this. Here's, it's deep. It's big. It's real deep. It's real big, right? You just got to take the next step. You just got to take the next step. It's just like I was saying about Addie. She's learning to walk. Just take the next step. Come on. Give me that next step. You can give me that next step. Give me that next step. Give me that. You can get that. You got to take the next step. You got to start. And then you got to continue to take the next step. Now, let me give you a few things about taking the next step, all right? You with me? Say amen. I'm going to run through these very quickly, and we will give an altar call. Start small and take the next step. And some of you are at that place in your life. You need to take the next step. Here it is, and there's four or five of them. Every next step of faith requires death to comfort. Every next step of faith, even starting small, requires the death of comfort, or you can even change that word and put self. You see, in order for you to get from where you are to where God wants you to be, you've got to face your fears, and in spite of your fears, as a launch pad by faith and the prompting of the Holy Spirit, I've got to say, I'm going to take the next step. I may fall, but I'm going to take the next step, and in order for me to get where God wants me to be, I've got to leave my comfort. I've got to step out of what is familiar to me. I've got, to, I've got to step into something that I'm overwhelmed by and that I'm scared of and that I have this fear and trepidation about, but God is prompting me. God is calling me to do that. I have no choice because I feel like he's absolutely given me no option. And so every next step you take in your journey, I promise you, it requires death of your comfort. You can't have your comfort and be on the cutting edge for Jesus Christ. You can't live in comfort and security, and safety, and be winning people to Jesus Christ. You can't do that. Because every time I've ever opened my mouth to share Jesus with somebody else, even if it's the lady in the checkout line, this great wall of fear arises. And there's been times I've given in to that fear and kept my mouth shut. Then there's been other times that, I, that I, I'm guilty of this. I switch into the preacher's mode. His voice. 
Yes, good to see you today. I'm Pastor Joel, and I want to know if you know Jesus. What is that? Don't look at me possibly. I mean, it happens, man. I was like, it, it, it's like my, my first trip to Africa. It took me three or four days to quit speaking in Spanish, right? I'm like, wait a minute. They don't speak Spanish over here, but because all of my history was in foreign mission in the South America region, and I knew, uh, I knew a little bit of Spanish, I kept trying to talk to them. See? See? And they're looking at me like, stupid, stupid. It's Kenyanese here, Right? Every time you try to get from where you are to where God wants you to be, the best he has, you have to face the fact that you've got to get out of your comfort zone. The the other thing about taking the next step, every next step will always, God, I wish this wasn't true here. Every next step you take will always, always lead to another, even bigger step of faith. I've learned this the hard way. That's why I quit saying and putting parameters around certain things. Every step of faith I take, and I'm going, okay, I'm taking that step. I'm going to get there. We're doing this. We're we're finally there. No. Every time you take that step, there'll be a next step. Every time you take that next step, there'll be a next step. Do you think when Nehemiah got there and he started to build the wall that he said, hey, that's over. We're done. That's not the story. They build the wall, then they build the temple, then they build the economy, then they build the worship back of the one true God, and they're still, and on and on it goes. It's never, ever finished. So that can either be encouraging to you, or you can just simply say, I'm going to play it safe and not do anything great in my life. But I challenge you to rise above that, even though you think it's not big and it's not spectacular, that God will use you to do an incredible work, even far beyond anything you ever think, dream, imagine possible, if you'll understand that the next step is even a bigger step of faith. We started, I, I almost sent the pictures this morning over to Chad and asked him to, to plug them in. I, they, they come up in my feed, and I save them, but there's some pictures we took on the very first Sunday we launched One Community Church six years ago, and there may be 15, 12 or 15 people in that picture. Some are not with us anymore. Some have, have, have dropped off. Some of them have said, hey, God's calling me to other churches, other ministries, and, and they've moved on. But most of them are still involved and still in the core of what we do here. And we started small. We started small. And I thought, I thought, listen, we pulled off that first Sunday, man. Hey, six years looking back on it, we pulled off that first Sunday. Woo, we did it. We got it, right? Then there was the next Sunday coming. Then there was the next Sunday coming. Then there was the next Sunday coming. And then we, we finally realized, hey, we're outgrow- we've outgrown this little building. We've got to do something. Hey, the borrowed, technically borrowed sound system from Child County Tech, it, all I know is it was borrowed, all right? Okay? That's not going to be enough. And we got to do, you, do you understand? I can go on and on and on and on and on, and now there's 200 of you, and now we're looking at, you know, half a million dollar building downtown, and all this, you know, on and on and on, and we do this in the community, you know, $20,000 in the community, and we have to have this amount of money every week. We, we couldn't even, most of us couldn't even tithe for the first couple months because we'd give it everything we had to launch the church and to make that little building look like it was supposed to look. And, and I remember when we opened our first account, we had a few hundred dollars, and now we average about $20,000 in that account. I mean, we had a few hundred dollars, people, and we average about $20,000, and we bought land in the process even though we made a mistake with that I made that mistake we've bought buildings and we're moving and doing and doing in the community and sending money overseas you raised nearly $20,000 just to send a group of us to Rwanda I mean you, you understand what I'm saying it's, it's that every step you take is going to be another big step following that step so you're never going to arrive until you're with Jesus and that's exciting to me every next step will always be another step every next step every next step you can be sure that God is always there There is not a step that he calls you to take 
that he's not already there. Because our God lives yesterday, today, and forever, which means he lives in tomorrow. And so wherever you step your foot, as he told Joshua, everywhere you step your foot, I will give you the victory because I've gone ahead of you. And so if I can just get you to understand that the direction God's calling us and calling you in, you have to have a step of faith and that you won't ever arrive that once you feel like I've got here, then there's the next project that we got to do once I do this. But I can assure you, even with that in our face, that every step we take, that God is already there. He said he'd never leave me nor forsake me. So I don't know what it is that God's calling you to do. I don't know what decision you need to make. I don't know what commitment you need to make or what decision and commitment you need to undo to free you up from some of the many things that you're involved in so that you can streamline and be more efficient and effective in a few things instead of a bunch. But I can promise you when you make that step of faith that God will already be there. Not only every step you make that you can be sure that God will be there, every next step you take, it'll be better than the last. I, I read one guy's commentary on taking steps. It was out of his book. He said, yes, the grass is always greener over there. For years, I've preached that the grass is not always greener, and if it is, it's usually over the septic tank. So this guy put me into a tailspin, and I thought, wait a minute. I understand what he's saying, that the closer I get to God and his will and his perfect will for my life, the greener the grass gets. Oh, it may look like hell all around me. Things may be falling apart to the world's eyes, but because I'm right where God wants me to be, right in the middle of that storm, and knowing that he's with me and that he's got me, and I can be sure that even though I don't know the next step and it might be bigger than the last step, that God's got me and the grass is greener. It is better to step out and step with God. I can promise you. So I don't know what direction you're headed in, and I don't know if you feel like me and you need a divine direction. I can promise you it's, it, 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 you do big things by starting small, and by just simply taking the next step, putting one foot in front of the other. You see, the smallest step in the right direction could, could end up being the biggest step of your life. The smallest step in the right direction could end up being the biggest step of your life. Mine started Easter Sunday, 1998. And I'm going to tell you the story over again. I was at church. Because I was asked to be to church and I had ulterior motives. But I heard the gospel presented. I heard the invitation given. And I heard my name. And the small, little, simple thought that I could not lie in church caused me to step out by faith, walk to an altar. And the smallest seemed to me, the smallest decision or the smallest step that I took has been the biggest step of my life let me end with this stay with me please Galatians 6 9 says don't grow weary in doing well it's not easy to continually step out and step up for God I want I want to go back to, to Nehemiah for just a moment in, in this text and I want you to understand that we look at this and we can see these steps Here, here's a process I told you I had a lot of sermonettes in it Here's a, here's a quick little outline about the next step. Like starting small is the mustard seed. Here, here, here it is. Here's how we do this. How do we take the next step? Well, you start this way. You start with what's necessary. So if you're sitting there this morning or you're listening and watching from home or around the world or you listen later in the week and you say, what is it that I need to do? What's the next step? Well, you start with the necessary. What's the immediate? What is necessary? What's God saying to you is necessary for you to either step into or step out of? Then once you make that step, Nehemiah is a great example of that. 
Nehemiah said, I don't have a clue how to do this. I don't have any history, but I know that there's an immediate need in Jerusalem. The wall has been destroyed. It's a disgrace, and I'm not going to have that. I'm gonna, I, I, I see this, and you've got to start with the necessary. And then once you move from the necessary, then, you, then you'll start, because remember, you're in motion now. Then you'll start, you start doing what is possible. You see, he started with the necessary. He didn't have a clue, had resistance. Didn't have a clue where the supplies, he didn't have any idea, any background in that kind of leadership, but yet he started with the necessary, he started with that necessary, and then of course what I read to you is it says that we started to build, and it told us over the course of the time as we read through the book of Nehemiah, that often he had to have the people work with a tool in one hand and a weapon in the other hand. You see, there'll be seasons that are very tough. I'm not saying it's going to be easy. It's never easy to understand the next step may be bigger than the last step. And the fear is greater in that next step. But I can promise you, if you will start taking the next step with doing what's necessary, what is in front of you, what's immediate, what God calling you to, you will eventually realize that you are doing what is possible. We started the church with just a handful of people realizing that I didn't have a clue what we're going to do, how we're going to pay the rent, how, any of those things. And now six years on this adventure, I see that we're doing the possible. And this is the next step. Here's the next step. Start with the necessary, start doing the possible, and then before you know it, you're doing the impossible. And you're not even aware of it. You have to back up and have somebody come along and say, wow. Did you know, history tells us that not only did Nehemiah and the people build that wall, watch this. They built that wall in 52 days. You see, you, you think, I can't do this or I won't be able to do this. If you'll start with the necessary, if you'll just get and start and not despise the small start and say, God, I'm going to step up. It may not be spectacular, but I'm going to step into my destiny. I'm going to leave my comfort zone. I'm going to take this next step. I'm going to trust you and do what's necessary. And then as you move from the necessary to the possible, before you realize that you're doing the things that you thought one time was impossible. And it did not stop there. So I don't know where you are on your journey. I don't know what direction you're headed in. I don't know if you're like me and you want to be in God's direction so you need divine information and inspiration. I can promise you, I can promise you it'll start by taking a small step of faith. It'll start by you leaving your comfort zone and saying, it's time. What's the immediate thing? What's right in front of you? What decision do you need to make right now? Not tomorrow. Not this evening, right now. What commitment or decommitment do you need to make right now? Sometimes, sometimes it's not that we need to do something. Sometimes it's that we need to back away and say, hey, I'm not supposed to be over there. I'm not supposed to be, do I'm not supposed to be in that relationship. I'm not supposed to be there. What's the necessary? Will you stand to your feet with me, please? Father, as we open the altar this morning, I pray in your name, through your power, that you move amongst the people. That they will start, even if it's as a grain, a mustard seed. And they will take the next step. Lead us, Father, and help us to be obedient. Every head bowed, every eye closed. If you're watching online, you can communicate with us there in the feed or inbox us. But if you're in this building this morning or watching online and the first step you need to take is to come to Jesus in faith and ask him to save you and to forgive you and to create a new life and heart inside of you.
then the Bible is clear that what you need to do is confess with your mouth what you believe in your heart. That what you believe in your heart is simply this, that Jesus Christ was the Son of God who was sent here to this world to die for you and for me and for anyone else that would believe and on the third day arise from a borrowed tomb so that in moments like this, as he sends the Holy Spirit back, you may be saved. And so if you're here this morning and you're not certain of your salvation or your relationship with Jesus or you're watching on online, we want you to stop right now and we want you from your heart, not your head. We want you either out loud or in your, in your own silence, but to cry out to the name Jesus. Jesus, save me. Forgive me. I give you my life. Lead me. I don't have much and I don't understand it all. But I come to you fresh and by faith. In Jesus' name. Nobody looking around. Please message us. Let us know so we can communicate with you and encourage you. But if you're in this place this morning physically and you cried to Christ, and you asked Him to save you and to forgive you and to lead you, on the count of three, I want you to raise your hand. One, two, three, boom. Just you. Nobody's going to call you out. Nobody's going to embarrass you. Nobody's going to absolutely, nobody's going to criticize you. Okay, hands down. Maybe you're in this place this morning before we open the altar for just a few moments. Maybe you're here and you've let fear cripple you. You've let just starting stop you. It's the small things. It's the small acts of faith that will have the biggest impact on your life and the lives that are around you. And so I'm going to pray that you would be obedient to do whatever God is telling you to do in this place today. And let me promise you something. There is nothing too big and there is nothing too small for our God. He cares. If He took the time to number the hair on your head, He cares about every aspect of your life. So Father, as we open this altar, will you move this morning? Thank you for salvation. Thank you for rededication. God, may we commit to live our life surrendered and sold out to you. In Jesus' name. Hey, Pastor Thad's going to lead us. Won't you come? We won't keep it open long, but we'll keep it open as long as the Holy Spirit. Pastor, he'll pray with our students or anyone that needs him. Pastor Bradley's down here at the altar. Others are at the altar leading. I'll be here as well. Won't you come? Find you a place. Move move don't be afraid don't be afraid if you're online and we're still live hey message us reach out to us communicate with us won't you come today's a day of fresh start today is a day i step out by faith won't you come